Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts, Kyle, excuse me, Chris Schubert, floating around as a producer. We're from the Draft Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online, which is the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info from all the latest sports developments, including updated odds to the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget, MLB is back. So there's a lot you can wager on, and Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and those Vegas casino games and poker games. It's easy to get started. Head to the website today. Use our promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Where Kyle, the game starts. Happy birthday to you. Oh, man. I was hoping we were going to do anything weird and, and make this a thing today, but thank you very much. Yeah, we had to. I got the the NDT scouting hat on. It's Kyle's birthday. Got to uh, give a shout out to the OG here. I was going to see if we had any. I got my mug back here. <laughs> Let me grab my mug. Here's the deal, bro. I bought this hat and then like everything switched over. And so I wanted to, you know, I needed a right. reason to wear this hat. I had the white one, but I finally got the blue one. And then, you know. And then NDT kind of became TDN, and that's the way the world works, right? You invest, Here we are. You invest in a hat, and then you just got flipped the, the the letters around a little bit and get some new digs. But yeah, it's been a fun trip. Roots are roots, brother. So, Chris, what's up, dude? You you coming in? You're gonna float? There he is. Hello, gentlemen. Hi. Happy birthday, Kyle. Hope you enjoy your day today. Uh, being. 47 years old, however old you are. Um, yeah, takes on, <laughs> takes on takes. I have a bunch of them loaded up in the queue. Uh, people have been getting them in early. So like the moment a takes on takes episode ends and it's out to the, the public, more takes come in. Here's more takes. Yeah, so they're like, here's more takes. I'm like, guys, you do know if you get these in ahead of time, we can get to them on the show today. But he, that's neither here nor there. Uh, we have two more episodes of takes on takes before scheduling programming is going to be interrupted because it's going to be draft week and there will not be a takes on takes episode week of the draft just letting everybody know now so you have two more shows today and tomorrow and next week to get your takes in for the draft before it is draft well, week. and today doesn't even really count like next friday is your last that's draw it. before the so draft. you want if you want to get a take out there to be able to go and be like oh i said this that's it you have one more week to now do so time. okay guys i got a spicy one to start us off here today this one from harry who DM'd this one to me. Wouldn't wouldn't put it out Ooh. on the Twitter universe. It, it DM'd it to me. Take. Tariq Woolen will for sure go in the first round and could even go as high as pick nine to Seattle. You oh, want spice? No. I give you spice. That's that would be spice. the most Seattle thing ever, wouldn't it? Probably. L- Listen, we love Tariq on this podcast. And I, I know Joe, I speak for both of us, but we're based off where we have him graded. We think he has a great chance to be a very <laughs> successful football player in the NFL, but it would be like the most height, weight, speed 
first round selection since Darius Hayward Bay. Yeah, that was the name in like, my head. Yeah, you know what? Like, like if you're drafting Tariq at that stratosphere, it's because of the wrong reasons. And um, do I see a pathway for him to be a first round cornerback? Absolutely. But nine, you lost me at nine. You, you were good. You were good. You were good. And then you got greedy. So that, that's how I react to this take. Where, where did DJ Hayden get drafted? Do you remember that? I, I remember him being like a day two pick. Kings, All of a sudden, Mike 13. Mayock before the draft was like, you know, this guy's going to go high. He went 12 to the Raiders in 2013. So if we get weird buzz like the day before that he can go top half of the first round, like then we have DJ Hayden all over again. But I think nine is really, really rich. I'm with you. The first round, okay, sure, I can get in into that. But top 10, it's a little dicey. But the Seattle Seahawks are making that pick, and anything can happen when those guys are on the clock. This take from Sir Charles 84. I don't believe he's royalty, but he is. His Twitter handle is Sir underscore Charles eighty four. Two parter here for you guys. There will be okay. more safeties drafted than quarterbacks in the first round of the draft, and then a hot take: Daxton Hill will get drafted ahead of Kyle Hamilton as teams will value his positional versatility. I, I don't think more safeties and quarterbacks go because I think we get three quarterbacks at least, maybe four. And so I think we might get two safeties. So I think the the floor for quarterbacks is three. The, fl- the floor for safeties is probably one. So I'm going with there being more quarterbacks. And I think Kyle Hamilton goes ahead of Daxon Hill. Uh. I agree, Joe, with with everything that you just said. And I get Daxton Hill has single high free safety versatility, but like, does Kyle Hamilton not have positional versatility as well? Genuine question. Correct. They both do. So, right. It's just they're they're different caliber athletes, and but they're also different sized athletes. And I think there's kind of a yin and a yang there between those two. Uh, could I see a team that's a little bit more traditionalist and wants more true single high free safety coveting Daxon Hill over Kyle Hamilton? Yes. But like, that's not really the direction we're seeing the league go right now. And that's not just because there's a scarcity with free safeties that can play cover one single high, right? Correct. So uh, I, I have a take, Chris. Okay. Okay. Like provide to the group, please. Paige Demakos is the greatest guest in the history of the Colin Cowherd show. Okay, so you're all right. So we're gonna get lost in the time void here because of the way that you're you're presenting this. Because by the time people hear this, they will know that Paige is appearing on the herd with Colin Cowherd later today. Right. So that's that's why I'm saying it. Now. But right, but you gotta you gotta present the people with the context to the take. Um, yeah, I mean, she listen, she doesn't like. Baker and she hates Aaron Rodgers. So you do oh know that there's there's gonna there's gonna be some good there's gonna be some good content there between yeah. the two of them. Some good good some good, good fun is gonna in, be had in the, for sure. that conversation. Now I can Joseph, I pick you agree? Please Joe, go ahead. Oh yeah, I, I for sure. Uh 
Draft Makos. I saw somebody refer to her as that uh, on yeah. Twitter. So H-Draft Draft Makos on the herd. Let's go. Let's I will. Go I will. I will pin this take. I will pin a take back on Kyle. Take. We will pause the daily staff meeting in which we are preparing for the 2022 NFL Draft to watch it all together. On. Oh no, we we will not be conducting work functions starting at the start of that okay. it's it's 12 40 right correct 9 40 my time which is where she is doing no, the... so, so 12 it's, it's at 12 40 you know she ticked me off because she texted me yet last night and she was like hey i'm going on at 9 40 and i go to put the herd on <laughs> and i know i know colin's the noon show right but i go to put fox sports on <laughs> on my tv this morning and it's like skip and shannon i'm like she's not going on that show damn time zone <laughs> so, damn time yeah she zones. referred to it as her local time and i was ready in my local time to watch but i would rather be three hours too early than three hours too late it's a great point Carl. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. point uh take from will who had very nice things oh go ahead joe sorry i did not mean to cut you off please. i was no um the seattle thing that we talked about in the first take has piqued my interest in, in looking back at the last time that the seahawks picked in the top 10 because i figured it's been a while and it has. The last time they picked in the top 10 was in 2010. They picked Russell Okun with pick six. Good pick. The year before that, 2009, Aaron Curry, linebacker, Wake Forest. I'm sure that's a name we all remember here on the podcast. Good. I can proceed with the next take. You can, yeah. Okay, I just want okay. to put that out okay, there into the world. Yeah. Go ahead, Appreciate that. Or go ahead, Chris. This take from Will, who had very nice things to say about the podcast, is very excited for what we have prepped uh, for the draft this year. And, oh, boy, let me tell you, do we have some stuff cooking behind the scenes for the next two weeks. Take. Joe said before that people missed on Creed Humphrey as they focused on the drop-off when all the talent around him changed and he had to get used to new players. My take is that despite the different positions, the same is happening with Sam Howell. Lost everything around him and had a dip which has dropped him down in everyone's rankings, but we have seen that with talent around him. He plays well. Still QB1. It's a lengthy one, but I thought it was a good one. I don't think we had a first-round grade on Sam coming out of the summer. I can double-check for you. Because, I mean, that would be my starting point. I knew that he was – the comp, the QB1 conversation was Spencer Rattler and, and Sam Howell, but that doesn't mean we had a one on, on Sam collectively. And I appreciate the season uh, that Sam Howell had, to be honest with you. Joe, you had a 1-2. On Sam Howe. It was the first report you did that sum- last summer. Makes sense. and that, I think a lot of our summer grades are more combining Liberal. valuation and forecast, whereas at this yes. point it's just evaluation. Well, well, and that's you get in trouble, right? Because you, you'll you'll forecast guys to make jumps. It's, that's how you end up liking a guy like Brian Lewerke in the summer, right? <laughs> before, <laughs> before the year before his – the year before the year before his final year. That you you come out of that bowl game against Arizona State and you're like, okay, this is what he's capable of. You can see there's some physical tools here. You extrapolate that and you project that forward. You can you can like what that's going to look like. And then he comes out. The offense is a hot mess. He hurts his shoulder. He plays through it. Bad habits develop. He comes back for another year, and it's just he never gets right ever again. So that there's always more freedom in the summer 
to project guys to reach their best case scenario. Uh, real quick, Joe. Pros for Sam Howell. Started every game since stepping on campus. Features quick, compact, snappy release. Does well to get himself aligned to his targets. In terms of accuracy, he's above average when his ball placement to all levels of the field throws a beautiful deep ball that he would drop on the bucket on nine routes a few times per game. Quick and twitchy enough as a runner with the football and is competitive with the ball in his hands. Hangs tough in the pocket and keeps his eyes down the field when things collapse around him. Has the ability to extend plays when outside of structure and make accurate throws on the run. While he doesn't have elite arm strength, he generates plenty of distance and control in his throws with enough velocity to drive the football outside the numbers, even from the opposite hash. Cons, North Carolina offense translates poorly to the next level with all the static alignments and high percentage of plays with an RPO tag. He can be very bouncy in the pocket and on his toes, which leads to irregularity getting his feet set and inconsistency in his lower body mechanics. There's too much drifting in the pocket. While there are examples of him stepping up in the pocket, he would benefit even more from being willing to climb the pocket and not drift. Undoubtedly, some throws he will force, and I want him to become more willing to come off of. There's some goofy refs in the red zone where he takes bad sacks, scrambles too much, takes risky choices with the football. Sounds a lot like him exactly pre- who he <laughs> yep. What's That's different who he now? Is. <laughs> right. He's a little better runner, like so. So I okay. guess to, to bring this back to the original point, you had a one-two on Sam coming into the season with that assessment. Your current grade on Sam, and I don't know exactly what grade you have on him off the top of your head, um, but that is this season was the confirmation of what you were and were not afraid he was, and that's that's why the the ceiling's still not there. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd agree with that, and I I, I wonder about Sam and his transition to the next level just from a personality perspective and his ability to really just take command of an offense. I think he's got, he's, that's going to be something he's going to need to work on those personality traits. I'm going to, I'm going to combine a couple takes together here, two from Richard and one from in the DMS, Mr. Wilson. So Kyle, I'm glad you're sitting down for this. Mr. Wilson's take is take. Am I missing something with Kyle Hamilton? Gives me Jamal Adams vibes. So that's take number one. We're going to put that over here in, in one corner. And then, you, then you have Richard's combo take of, if Kyle Hamilton falls outside of the top 10, the Steelers should trade up and draft him. Only reason he would fall is positional value. And then Richard was so kind to provide us with what he believes are the top five positional values. And he has corner, a quarterback, edge, offensive lineman, wide receiver, cornerback. I'll read any of the takes again that you need, but bunching all of that together. Well, I appreciate that he said the only reason. Go ahead, Kyle. I I would define positional value as as a little different. Personally, I would value interior defensive linemen, particularly penetration types, over wide receivers. Um, That's kind of just an administrative note before we get started. Uh, Joe, your thoughts on the only reason why Kyle Hamilton would slide would be positional value. I guess what I was going to say is that I appreciate that he brought that up as the angle and didn't make it about athletic testing, to be completely honest with you. Like, he's acknowledging it seems like a really good player, but because he's a safety, that puts him outside of the top 10, which I think is the argument I could subscribe to the most 
because the the 40 stuff is ridiculous where that has gone. Um, and I think it was – was it Brentley Weissman? It was either Brentley or Keith. They brought up that Ed Reed's the best deep ball defender in the history of the game. He ran a 4-5-7. Four, 4-5-7. Five, four, five, I think Micah, Hyde's, Micah Hyde might be the best deep ball defender in the game right now. He ran a 4-5-8. Jarris Bird was not a bad deep ball defender. He ran a 4-6-8. So there's no – there's nothing to, to glean from that 40 time. And nobody watched his tape and had one question about his athleticism. So I think if you want to make it about positional value, I think that's your best thing to stand on as predictively why he would fall out of the top 10. Vontel sent in a take. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, don't listen. The, you've been doing this long ah. enough. If you leave a space like that, I'm going to jump in and continue the show along. So you either speak or you open up the door for the takes on take show to continue. We did not address the comparison from Hamilton to Jamal Adams. Okay. And I would probably start with and point to the ceiling that exists for Hamilton in man-to-man coverage versus Jamal Adams. Jamal was always very uh, impactful in the box. Uh, Kyle Hamilton has spent more time in space in my mind. Um, Kyle Hamilton, six foot four. Jamal Adams is six foot. Kyle Hamilton is 220 pounds. Jamal Adams at the NFL combine was 214. Uh, both 33 plus inch arms. Okay. So there's a parallel there. Um, they ran about the same 40 time, four, five, six versus four, five, nine. Joe quiz question for you. What percentile was Jamal Adams's vertical jump among safeties in the NFL? Um, 40 percentile. Oh, seventh percentile. 31 oh. and a half inches. Hmm. Kyle Hamilton jumped 38, which is 81st percentile. Uh, what percentile was Jamal Adams's broad jump amongst NFL safety? I'm guessing pretty low. 10 percentile. No, it wasn't that bad. He jumped 10 foot on the dot, 45th percentile. Oh, uh, Kyle Han- Hamilton jumped nearly a foot longer, 93rd percentile for safeties. Um, Kyle Hamilton was nearly a tenth of a second faster in the three-cone drill. So you've got a bigger, more explosive player. Okay, his long speed is different. He's also four inches taller, so you you got to account for uh, opening up your strides. And, and I look at the athletic comparisons just off athletic profile and there's plenty of film differentiations between those two and that's why i started with that bit of this conversation um joe do you know who the third match from an athletic profile is uh for kyle hamilton coming out of notre dame i don't oh it's derwin james who's the the guy that we've pointed to is probably uh, the better reflection of of who we think kyle hamilton is as a player so I think there's enough holes to poke in the Jamal Adams between film and athletic profile. Aside of the fact, if you just look at their bigger safeties who ran high four fives, like I think that's about the extent of where those parallels end personally. Now, Chris, okay, thank please you. feel thank free you. to continue the show. I had to address that. That's fine. You, you that's can't. Vontel. With a take. I'm glad we got his in today. There will be you know, more he always gets mad corners drafted in the first round 
than wide receivers. More corners. That would surprise than me. Than wide receivers. Hold on. Hold that would surprise me. Okay, well, let's play the game. I know Joel. we're going to do the thing. We're going to play the, the game. Thing. That's why we bring but these I like to, up. I like to go on record quick and then either look like an idiot or somebody really smart when we go do the thing. Okay. So. Okay. So wide receivers. I think I can see this pathway happening if the corner run happens before the wide receiver run early. Like if you get Atlanta and New York that go wide receiver in the top 10, I don't think there's a path. But if a couple of those teams go corner early and then you're in the back half of the first round and magically now there's the surplus of wide receivers, it might not prompt you to make that run happen um, quite as urgently, if you will. So, I mean, you you could sit here and do the math and go through the teams, and I think there's just as many teams that need a high-end corner as need a wide receiver. But I think there's more receivers that are worth and I predict to go in the first round. Right, but that's why it comes down to, I think, when does the run start? If the wide receiver run starts with two in the top ten with Atlanta and New York Jets, then, like, yeah, they're going to keep coming off the board. But if you get to Pittsburgh at, or if you get to New England at 21 and you had New Orleans take a receiver and one other team and you're at 21 and all these other guys are still left on the board, you know, doesn't that confidence level tell you, okay, they're bottlenecked. They're not all going to go for us to make an opportunity to go get a guy early in round two. I think it's just it's the landing spots in the last 10, 12 picks of the first round that favor the receivers that I understand your your point about where know? the run starts. I, I think I, it could be a I wash. Think so. I think I think the early could be a wash. I think you could have two corners go in the top twelve and two receivers go in the top twelve. And so at that point, then you're to Joe's point, much more likely to get more receivers in the back half than corners. I have a tough time. Okay, with so this Joe, take. you said you said the last ten spots. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do the back half of the first round. Okay, you have New Orleans twice. Definitely more of a wide wide receiver spot. Right. Chargers at 17, definitely a wide receiver spot. Yep. Philadelphia could be either or, correct? Well, yeah, and they they were in on Gilmore, right? They they were the Right. The after the Colts, they were the team that was the hottest on him, so but they didn't get him. They didn't. It's true. It could be a corner spot. It could be a corner right. spot. Uh, Pittsburgh, bigger wide receiver or cornerback spot? I would hope corner for them. New England, bigger corner or wide receiver spot? I would guess. I would honestly guess corner. Yeah, I agree. And this is what I'm just trying to think about how they perceive themselves, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Green Bay, I think we would agree, is a better wide receiver spot. Receiver. Yeah. Arizona, they just brought back AJ Green. They do have DeAndre Hopkins. Corner. Their cornerback room. Bad. Could probably use a little help. I think it's a push, right? I would tilt it towards corner. Okay. Okay. And I was trying to be liberal with it, so that that's fine. Understood. Uh, Dallas. Uh receiver. I don't really see him super hot on either one, but probably more likely uh wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Buffalo. Joseph. I mean, I want Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott to care about corners like I do, but I don't know that they do. So, 
But the most pressing need Vegas, on the Bills roster it's, is what? It's clearly corner, and Vegas has corner okay. as the like plus 200. It's the highest likely thing that they're okay. going to draft. Uh, Tennessee's a wide receiver spot. Yeah. Tampa Bay. I know they, they just paid uh, Russell Gage like $10 million per. Right, I'd say corner. I know they got some, some – some, yeah, I think it's more likely corner spot. Green Bay, again, we already touched on. Uh, Kansas City, could we make the case Receiver. you could see one of each? Right. Cincinnati, wide receiver, corner. Corner. And then Detroit's wide receiver. So yep. I, it's pretty even down through. So, Chris, I think to your point, if the first half goes two and two, I can see a world in which the team say there's more options for wide receivers that we feel confident are going to get back to us, so let's take the corner first. Maybe. Certainly possible. But I, that's in a world where it's two and two, right? You, you've envisioned a right. scenario where it could be more than that inside the, the top 12. So, yeah. You want one more take here? One more. Okay, so from, this one from Halil's Real Football Talk. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna set it up this way. Blank is the top offensive line prospect from Kentucky this year. Blank. He put a name in here, but let's see if we can pull. We'll play a little game here to close the show. Uh, I bet he. I bet he put Luke Fortner. It's exactly what he did, Kyle. He said Luke Fortner is the top offensive line prospect from Kentucky this year. Hashtag takes on takes. They've all got some so you've warts. Now cross-checked Luke Fortner. Yeah, they've all got warts, big time. And and I wish, <clears throat> I wish Dari Rosenthal's warts weren't like character stuff because, from a physical and athletic makeup, he's, so he's clearly the one I would want. Right, he'd be the like, very <laughs> obviously so the player I'd want. I I would say this though. Obviously, he spent some time at LSU. So, Joe, you, yeah, you had a chance well. to, to know him fairly well coming into the season. Uh, Keith Sanchez spent some time around him at the LSU program, and he didn't seem too – he didn't seem hyper-concerned about the reasons in which Dare Rosenthal was missing time at LSU for violations of team rules and policies. So, um, I think Luke Fortner's the highest floor player, but if you ask me to pick one – I would want Dare Rosenthal for what he's physically capable of doing. Yep. That's it. Takes on takes 151 in the books. We thank you guys for checking it out. We thank our friends over at Bet Online for their continued support of the show. We hope you have a great weekend. Kyle Krabs, Joe Mariel, Chris Schubert. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.